Today, we're chatting with the CEO of Hidden Falls Media about the power and impact of neural marketing in your business, what that really means, and how you can do that for yourself to more easily grow and scale. You definitely don't want to miss this one, so don't you change that dial or drop that phone. We're about to level it up and shatter the mold. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned, and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back. How do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shatter the Mold. Andrew S. Kaplan, really excited to be here with you today. We've got an awesome interview. I've actually held off a couple of months on publishing this, and I don't know why, because honestly, this is one of the best interviews that I've ever done. And I don't mean that to toot my own horn. I mean that because of the guest. He was so insightful and so great about the level of information and insight that he delivered that um, I definitely should have put this out a few months ago. But, you know, sometimes timing works out for certain reasons. So I'm confident that this is coming out a few months later for a specific reason. And for everyone listening, now is the time for you to take this information to the next level in your business. But before we get there, a quick update on my book, The Last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read. Quick thank you to everyone who continues to buy the book and leaves those great five-star rave reviews and emails me letting me know how you're using the content to your advantage. I always welcome and always enjoy that good news from you. I always appreciate it. And I'm really grateful for all the attention and all the momentum that the book has gotten in the past year and a half. And of course, you know, thanks to everyone that found me by going to the article in usatoday.com or the article from Forbes or uh, the article from Yahoo last year. Maybe you found out about it there. But however you found out about it, whether it was through a friend, through an article, through a podcast interview, I am grateful for you. And for anyone that has not checked out the book and wants to see what the hype is all about, including those 1,600 plus five-star rave reviews on Amazon, you can feel free to go to lastlawofattractionbook.com, which will auto-forward you to the Amazon listing. You can get it in Kindle or paperback or audiobook. But if you don't want to pull out your wallet for any reason, that's okay. You can feel free to check out the YouTube channel that is devoted to the book by going to youtube.com slash Cap where I teach new methods. I have interviews with Law of Attraction experts. I answer key questions and a few other surprises as well. But with that said, let's get straight to today's interview. I'm going to switch up mics and we're going to start our conversation with Alex. All right, guys, I am really excited for today's guest. Alex Vonderhaar is the founder and CEO of Hidden Falls Media, a neuromarketing agency focused on helping e-commerce store owners take their marketing to the next level. He's also the host of the Hidden Falls Media Experience. And today, among other things, we're going to be talking about the power of leveraging psychology within one's business and having more control over the marketing initiatives within it. Uh, I'm sure Alex has a lot to say on the matter. I'm sure he's got a lot of other interesting things. So without any further ado, Shatter the Mold warmly welcomes Alex Vonderhaar. Alex, thank you so much for being here, my friend. Welcome to Shatter the Mold. Andrew, man, I love the idea of it. Super happy to be here. And let's shatter some molds today, man. Hell yeah. And you know, I'm I'm always a, a full disclosure to the audience type of guy. So like right before I hit the record button, you were giving me the most perfectly concise, well thought out like explanation of who you are and where you got to this point. So I'm like, dude, I'm just going to be really um, unprofessional and stupid about the whole thing and just ask you to repeat it just because it was so good. I want to make sure that the audience yeah. is in on it. So just because I think it's going to lead, and I'm sure you'll agree to a lot of really good uh, questions and insight and value for the audience. I'm going to turn it over to you and just let me know your background and what took you to the place where you're at right now in terms of this agency, in terms of this podcast, and in terms of what you're really doing in the world. Absolutely. 
Um, I was born and raised in Cincinnati. It's where I'm at now. Um, I went to Ohio State for my background inside of psychology and neuroscience. From there, you know, I was going down the field of psychopharmacology, so looking at how different drugs, both legal and illegal, and food and exercise all affect our brain and our behavior and the subsequent sequence of habits that happen after that. So during that process, in my senior year of college, I ended up having a near-death experience, and it totally pulled me out of the field of medicine, just had zero interest in it. I got a good look at like all the corruption and just weirdness that was going on inside of medicine, and I didn't want anything to do with it. So after that experience, I was chasing that sensation of death for a while. Um, things from like psychedelics to meditation, hol holotropic breathing, flotation therapy, cryotherapy. And I ended up uh, through a friend of mine started training Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai. And I got paired up with somebody the same build as me. I'm 6'5", so I'm super tall. Um, and the same guy was, you know, 6'4". So we were around the same build, same frame. And our instructor said, hey, you two just spar together. Well, the instructor didn't tell me he had seven and a half, eight years of Muay Thai experience and been boxing since he was a little kid. Whoops. So me being, me being a rookie, I got cracked in the ribs pretty hard. And turns out he owned a flotation therapy center. So he was like, hey, man, like my bad. I didn't mean to rock you that bad. But hey, come float. It'll heal you up in a few weeks and you'll be back to normal. You won't be waiting those few months and being in pain. So I got addicted to flotation therapy so much that I was like, hey, man, I need a job here. Like I can't afford this every day, but I would absolutely love to work here and just learn about the industry and get good with it and just have the ability to float and relax. And in my float tanks, it was the closest thing I'd found to that experience again. So I, I really gravitated towards it. It was everything I needed out of breathing and meditation and zero, ex zero sensory input to be able to kind of feel that same sensation again and kind of work through a little bit of that trauma. So after that, when I started working there, within about three to four months of being there, I figured out through a few cocktails and us kind of just shooting it back and forth that the business really wasn't doing that great. There was a lot of debt. There was, you know, collection calls coming in. And I said, well, you know, like how, how much of resources do we actually have and what's our timeline? So we figured it out and I said, okay, let me learn digital marketing. And I figured out in that process of learning digital marketing, hiring people like Billy Jean, uh, Douglas James, and a few other industry experts, traffic and funnels, got really, really good at copy in that time. And I was like, this is all psychology. At the end of the day, like it, it goes back to uh, habit formation. It goes back to understanding the internal triggers of a person and how that relates to the way we tell story. And the stories we tell to ourselves in that process too, right? And especially with the law of attraction, I know you and your audience have to be familiar with the stories we tell to ourselves end up becoming our realities. Mm -hmm. So with that, you know, I really started to get deep into marketing and to how this really works. And then I spent the last six years of my life really devoted to learning and being great at the idea of neuromarketing. So the idea is that we, there's so much research out there in academia around neuromarketing and the idea of psychology and marketing and psychology and pricing and content and everything, but it's never been taken out of academia and truly applied inside of a business. So after I built this guy's flotation therapy company up from doing all the research around neuromarketing, within about 18 months, we brought him up to a $2.2 million business from 100000 in debt. Wow. And, you know, he's buying a new BMW, you got his mom, a Land Rover, and me and my girlfriend are living in my mom's basement. And we, we can't even afford rent, because I'm making like 600 bucks every two weeks. And I'm working full time managing two centers, managing eight 
girls because he wanted all girls to work the desk. I was the only one that wasn't. And I reached this breaking point of like, dude, you either have to cut me in on the deal or we have to figure something else out because I can't live in poverty. Seriously. Right. And, and you so, know, just quick sidebar. I mean, if, if someone takes me from negative a hundred to, you know, over 2 million, I mean, I'm like, dude, let's get you in on this. Let's, right. let's incentivize you even more so that we can get this to 10 million. I'm happy to give you more when you're like having the bucks rolling, but that's a sidebar. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's get back to where you're at here, man. Yeah. So I went through that experience and then I knocked, I, I ended up quitting cause I got really mad at him one day after a conversation that we had around that of like, dude, like, I don't understand what the problem is. Like we're, we're both growing, but I'm being staggered and I'm being limited on how much I can grow with you because I can't even afford to move out of my parents' basement. Like we got to figure something out. It ended up getting into a heated conversation and I ended up leaving. So in that time I had zero job. I obviously didn't have any money. So I started doing door-to-door sales. I did that for three weeks, realized how much I hated it, but I loved sales and the process of it. So it just reinforced that idea for me of like, all right, I need to be doing my own thing. So January 1 of 2018, we set up Hidden Falls Media, which is a neuromarketing agency. We're focused on bridging that neuroscience and psychology research that's stuck in academia and really pulling it into the real world and starting to use it, right? Because research that's out there, it's great if we see the results, but if you don't apply it, what's it matter? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Now this guy, and again, I, I, I have a little martial arts experience, but I don't want to, I don't want to get this guy pissed off. Um, so, but I, I will say this, he didn't do you a kind favor, but I guess in a way he did you a favor because he forced you to take the skills and talents that you had been building and apply it for your own life. I mean, I'm, you know, assuming that that decision, even though it wasn't fun back then, it wasn't fun to have to get from the ground up with more limited resources, I'm, I'm sure you're glad that you've done that now and you're years into this new endeavor and that you're rewarding yourself as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. It, it really leaned into this idea that I get from my mentor, whose name is Ed Milet, that life happens for us, not to us. Mm-hmm. And it, as I was really in that weird space, right? Because I didn't understand that concept fully. Um, I was still kind of fighting through that trauma when I first heard that and like really trying to wrap my head around like, how in the world has this all happened for me, not to me, right? And then as I started to see, like you were talking about, like pe- like everything and everybody that's come into my life in some way, shape, or form, I'm grateful for. Pos- with a positive or a negative experience, it's up to me to decide that. And whenever I made that switch, which was really at the end of 2018, everything just started to shift super dramatically and really quickly, almost like scary quick. And that's when I started really getting into the idea of manifestation and the law of attraction and really starting to understand how to implement this as a daily habit and strategy into my life, because it's getting me to where I want to go. But my own, I'm not, I'm limited by my own belief and by my own thoughts at this point in time. And it wasn't until really even the beginning of 2020 that I really flipped that switch because I started having people leave my life that were no longer serving me right? I was, I was there for them in every way, shape or form, but they weren't here on my journey to serve me. And when I started elevating myself and my friend group and my network to other people, they got, they weeded themselves out of that process. I didn't have to do anything. Yeah. It sucked for a few days, but they, they were the ones that kind of like pushed themselves out. So it's amazing, man. I couldn't be happier and more grateful for the journey I'm on. Like you said, everything that I've I've learned in my life so far has definitely happened for me. 
And I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to be here with you and sharing this time today. Yeah, man, I'm grateful to have you on. And, you know, it's it's really interesting to me because, I mean, I've been studying. I've always been <clears throat> a student of the human condition. I've been big on marketing. I've been, you know, at the craft of copywriting, you know, people can't hire me anymore just because I'm so busy having too much fun with this podcast and with my book. You can't hire me. Um, but the way you said like, Hey, I, and I know you kind of said nonchalantly, not even on purpose. Like I'll just go ahead and learn digital marketing for a lot of people. That is not so simple. A lot of people, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, they don't have the aptitude. They don't have the passion. They don't have whatever those ingredients are that would guide them through it. And I'm sure that for you, it wasn't just like all sunshine and rainbows, but the feeling I get from you still is that you kind of took to it like a fish to water. Is that a fair assessment of your experience in this in this craft, really? I'm definitely somebody that gets obsessed with things mm. and anything I do. So I have to be really careful about what I get obsessed with. So like I have my guitar back there. That's been an 11 and a half years obsession at this point in time. Like it doesn't matter what it is for me. I know I'm that type of person that I go, I go deep and I'll go, I'll go that way. That's why my friend suggested Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Muay Thai to me, even though I don't do it anymore. Um, you know, I, it, he, he knew that, that, that had a possibility of being a deep endeavor for me. And just, he was like, you just need to bury yourself in something and just find that, find that passion and that kind of buzz that you like. Yeah. So once again, everything happening for me, not to me in that sense, yeah. but yeah, I definitely attached to digital marketing because it's so much based in psychology and understanding what makes us, what motivates us, what influences us, what inspires us. Uh, how do we like to be educated? How's the best way to educate somebody? Is it truly with logic or with emotion, right? And that's the stuff that really kind of gets me juiced and gets me going is like, let's talk about this, this body that we're living in the mind that's happening and making this thing drive, because there's nothing else like it that we know about. Mm, I love it. Now, you know, it, it's so funny, because I'm sure everybody is different that comes to you. Everyone, they've got their, they're in their own niche. They got their own motivations. They've got their mm -hmm. own just approach that they want to take. But with that said, just based on what you know, based on what works and what doesn't work, is there a specific direction that you try to put people in, in terms of let's look at this thing or let's do this strategy? Like what is a good way for people that want to get a boost in their results to kind of like take a look at their business? What approach should they go with? Yeah, we start with the six human needs with all of our clients. We look at it from the form of, uh, and I can go through them and talk about those two, but we look at how does it apply to content? How does it apply to your website? How does it apply to your statement of work or your proposals if you're business to business? How does it work if we're doing some type of sensory neuromarketing? So as we start to kind of put these pieces together, that's really where we start. So the six human needs, and they, you can look these up. These come from Tony Robbins. And there's been a lot of research out there around them to kind of back Tony up. Cause I mean, the dude's got more money than what he knows to do with. So he just funds all of these ideas that he's pulling from all these different people. And he actually attributes this back to Napoleon Hill for kind of pulling these ideas from, but the six human needs are certainty. So the idea of if I'm buying your product or service, I need to feel certain that I'm going to get this result. I want to, I want to be certain that when I turn on my car, I don't explode. Mm -hmm. Right. Then we have the flip side of that coin of uncertainty or novelty. I love playing that dopamine switch in the brain, right? So anytime we have something new or novel or exciting, that fuels us. That's one of our needs that we have. It's why e-commerce stores that are clothing-based will put out so many different trends 
of close because they know their customers love to pull that type of dopamine switch. Then we have the idea of significance. So I want to be top chimp. I want to know whatever I do, I'm top dog, right? So this is the idea that we see within business as well, which is people don't actually get as much of a dopamine hit off of a financial reward as they do off of a recognition award, right? I want the rest of my community to know, hey, I'm good. I'm striving. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I need that significance. Mm. We all do. It feeds the ego. Yes. So the top three that we have so far, certainty, uncertainty, significance, The fourth one is growth. So the idea that, hey, if I jump into your business, you're going to grow me into something that I'm not where I'm at now. So if I buy your online course, I'm going to grow into that next level, right? Or if I buy, um, or if you buy into digital marketing, that you're going to grow my business. There's this idea around growth and it's paired up with certainty for a lot of it too. And what we'll find is that it's not just one of them. And we'll get into how we can kind of stack them and do everything else with it too. So we have certainty, uncertainty, significance, growth, contribution, because we're social animals, we love to contribute with one another. And we love to have this idea of like a mission driven business from people, Tom's, right? Warbly Parker, people that, you know, you buy a pair, we donate a pair, right? That whole model is all built around the idea of contribution. We're giving back to something or to a higher power that's bigger than ourselves, Then the last one is love and belonging. We all love to feel part of a tribe, right? Especially with your audience on YouTube. They love the fact and how you've cultivated that tribe and that belonging space. And it's very precious. Mm -hmm. So understanding that these are the six human needs, just like in a personality, we all have a wide range of personality and any one of those can shine at a given time, but there's always a few that typically drive us. Right. We're always either, you know, we're primarily laid back, but if somebody steps on our toe or, you know, somebody hits our car, we can flip that switch and we can become that angry person really fast. Mm -hmm. Just like there's angry people that can flip that switch and go down, regulate into a peaceful state sometimes too. Right. Just because it's part of our personality or part of one of our needs that we have, some drive us more than others. So when people hire us from a neuromarketing perspective, that's the first thing we look at is out of those six, what are they really coming to you for and why? And are you actually talking to them on all their platforms to fulfill the need? So does my website fulfill all six of those needs? Does my offer, does my product, does my service? And if it's not fueling all six of them, that's great. But let's, what can we do to make that happen? Because you may come to me for the idea of a tribe. Hey, he's got this amazing community online but I really don't care that much about growth. I just want the tribe. I want that community and that connection. Somebody else may come to me for certainty. They want the results. They want the testimonials. They want to know with hundred percent certainty, this is absolutely going to work. Mm-hmm. So that's where we start. We start with understanding those and how are you currently using them and what can we do to really boost and solidify and fortify those ideas in your marketing? Wow. So part of this is really, if I'm understanding correctly, You've got to, if possible, if you are going to, um, you know, substitute one or two of the needs in what you're doing, you have to understand your audience and have an inkling of which of these needs are really aligned with who they are, you know, and and again, you know, you've got people that are, they want to do marketing. You've got people that want to be musicians. You want, you've got people that want to do all these different things. It sounds to me like it's really on the business owner and you help them with this Mm -hmm. about assessing, really psychologically assessing what their market is like. And I'm also going to assume that a lot of people don't know and that they might test out a need in a new campaign that you work with them on. And then they're shocked by the results because they added a sentence or they, <clears throat> they flipped their offer to enhance one of those other needs. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Wow. So typically how we start testing that is we do it organically first, because why, why pay for a test if you can do it for free with your audience? So we'll run those and we'll say, okay, so once a week, we'll go through each of the human needs, right? So if you're going to post once a day, which is standard, and um, honestly, people don't even hit once a day for the most part, but they should, right? Especially if you have a business. So in your business, let's say you post Monday through Saturday and you take Sunday off. That's six days. We have six needs run through each one of them throughout the day, just shuffle them up throughout the week. So that way you can get a little bit of better testing and understanding, hey, is it just the day and the time that I'm posting or is it actually the content that I'm talking about? And then we can start to see over a month, over two months, over three months, if you want to get a jump start, really looking at, hey, this is these are the needs that I see highlighted the most based off of our analytics. Let the data tell us what they're coming to us for instead of just assuming, hey, they're coming to me for love and belonging right? For all we know, they, they may tell you they're coming to you for love and belonging, but they're coming to you for significance. Mm. But the content will really start to dictate that for us, right? How many, so for me, I see it a lot. People will come to me for the idea of growth, right? But what they're really coming to me for is the idea of certainty. Right, right. Which makes sense. I mean, you're, you know, <laughs> you're helping them with their marketing. Of course, they better want certainty, right? Right. <laughs> I love it. So this is really, um, it's very intriguing. And, and, you know, just because I think, I mean, I don't know what your client base is like, but I imagine there's certain people that are resistant in the sense that like, wait, Alex, you're telling me I've got to like do six days and blah, blah. And I think they're missing the point. Like, guess what? Once you solve this, you still got to do this every day anyway. So you might as well make sure that you do have a content solution in place that you can do this throughout, regardless of what we figure out. And I, I imagine like once people, really understand that that's when they take off because then they're really finally willing to actually test this and then they get the information and data back and they can do something about it. Absolutely. And it's, it's exactly what that is. It's testing. It's putting the ego, it's putting that significance aside for a second, that top chimp status, right. Mm. And saying, I've got to, I've got to learn this because if I don't, my competition is going to, and they're going to outpace me. Mm. I love it. Got it. So based on, again, you've been doing this for a couple of years now, based on your clientele, like what's the number one mistake that you keep noticing people making that's easy to fix if only they can look in the mirror and see that they're doing it? Stop running your social media accounts like a classified ad. Hmm. Got it. Can you talk a little more about that? Like yeah. what, what would the post look like? What, how are they running it that it looks like that? And what can they do instead? Yeah. So I see this a lot with, especially with, so I'll give two examples. One, we all know the realtor that all they post is just sold or currently listing, but they never tell you how to increase the property value of the house or the apartment or the condo you're living in. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. There's no education. There's no, there's no fun engagement. I could care two shits if you sold somebody a house that's on the other side of town for me, that has nothing to do with my direct market. I don't care. Your audience doesn't care you're running it like a classified ad or like if you're a pizza shop or a, or a restaurant and all you post is, Hey, here's a picture of our chicken tikka masala from an Indian restaurant, right? You know, it's 1499 special available today. I don't care. You don't care. It's great if I'm looking for something real fast at lunchtime, but most time they're not posting at lunch. They're posting at 8am or 11pm when they're done with their day. Mm Mm-hmm. Tell me about the process. Tell me about the chef. Tell me about why you started. Tell me about the ingredients that you use. Show me the process of you making the rice or making the curry or making the naan in the tandoori oven. There's so many cool elements 
at going to a kitchen that you could explore and go with instead of just showing me the final product and putting a price sign on it. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong. You also, you know, mixed up by telling me a story about, you know, someone that wanted to do a dinner party and they were in a bind, how you got them out of it and how great it was for everybody and how much fun you ended up having. It's getting back to the root of good storytelling. Mm Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. And I guess this is why people probably even, you know, another reason why they want to hire you, because a lot of people don't want to do that. They're not good at it. And it's not that they can't be good at it. But you were saying yourself, if you're not obsessed about something, if you can't pour yourself into it, if it feels like an uphill battle, it's it's always going to be there. So you either got to find a way to get happy about it, or you've got to find someone to do it for you. If you're experiencing that right now, there's an amazing book called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Mm -hmm. It's real short. It's about 100 to 120 pages. And he talks about this idea of resistance Mm -hmm. and that anytime we hit this wall of resistance in our life, we automatically want to retreat position. But what all the great people that have ever walked the planet know and what their number one secret is, is that when I hit that wall of resistance, that's a sign to keep pushing because that's a the exact moment in somebody else's life and timeline that they gave up and they quit. Uh, Paulo Coelho talks about this inside of The Alchemist, that when you hit this wall of resistance, the omens stop showing up because you're telling the universe and everything around you that when things get hard, I don't want to keep moving. Mm, Got it. Got it. Oh, you remind me about that book. I got to dig it out and read it again. (laughs) Which one? The the, uh, War of Art. Yeah, that's that's one that I read through with my staff every year. So anytime somebody gets hired, uh, there's three books that we have them read. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, The Alchemist, and The War of Art. Got nice. Yeah. Very good selection there. And um, I mean, <clears throat> I don't want to mess with your business, but if you haven't checked it out, you might want to give a read to What to Say When You Talk to Yourself by Shad Helmstetter. That Ooh, might awesome. end up being something that you end up giving to your employees also. Okay. Yeah, man. Um, so I obviously, you know, we don't want to give away confidential information here, but, you know, based on what you can share, what is your favorite success story so far in terms of the clients that you've had in these past couple of years? Totally. So I'll give one that we're working with currently. Um, he owns a graffiti shop and he's an old graffiti artist from the eighties uh, and nineties. And one of the things that he's super, super passionate about is maintaining the culture. And that's what really kind of, I, it's very rare that I like reach out and prospect somebody specifically. Um, most of the time it's, you know, it's attraction. They're coming to us for what we do, but I, I saw his brand online and I saw what he was starting to do. And I was like, Oh, like I, I know if I get my hands on this, we can blow it up. So, you know, it was an old school website. The website really didn't reflect the community. It didn't read well. It had bad copy. Um, And it was, you know, basic Shopify store. His socials were good, though, because the community was there first. And his whole philosophy was, I hate selling to my community. It makes me feel slimy. And it's true, because anytime we sell, we're we're putting out of an emotional piggy bank that we're constantly building up. So as soon as I heard him start to talk about the way his culture has developed, how he's built it, and what it's been like, and how he wants to serve this community more than he cares about actually selling them a product, I was instantly hooked on him. And I was like, dude, whatever it takes, however, we need to get you from point A to point B, I'm on board. And, you know, they're not crazy wins, but it's consistent wins over time. And that's Mm. one of the things I try to express with my clients about is if we can get a four or five month win streak 
of we're hitting, you know, three and a half to five X return on ad spend consistently, we're in a really good spot. We're hitting the doubles and the singles consistently. I would much rather us do a six month win rate of hitting doubles and singles versus trying to hit one home run over that six month period, because we're going to end up with a better result. We're not going to come off as salesy and our community will still be properly developed in the meantime. So he, he took that idea and really ran with it. He was like, if we're going to do this, we need to do more content. Right. And I'm like, I'm screaming from my chair, like, yes, we do. Let's do more (laughs) content. And after that, he ended up, you know, we did a few content strategy sessions. We were working through some of it. I was like, just demo this product because it's really cool. There's nothing else really like it. It's a, um, imagine like a big expo marker mm-hmm. and it's got a soft nib on the front of it. And it's much fatter than this, okay. but you can draw on walls with it instead of spraying the paint and it got runs it. with acrylic paint. It's really cool. So I was like, show us how you use this product, do a yeah. cool design and do a time-lapse of it, or just like walk through, Hey, this is what the nib is. This is how much paint's in it. This is how the cap unscrews and then show you writing on something. It went viral on TikTok and hit over 17 million downloads within two weeks. Wow. So it's one of those, when we start talking about, I'm not looking for the massive return on ad spend all the time because that's not what the main focus should ever be. Yes, money is massively important from a marketing and a sales perspective, but marketing is an overarching umbrella of a game of memorization. If we can get people to understand that marketing is a game of memorization across your business, it'll increase sales, it'll increase brand, it'll do all the magical things and sprinkle all the fairy dust that you want it to do across your business. But we have to start from that premise of if we can get them to memorize who we are and what we do, everything else will fall into place. So creating content and keeping that community core of people that already know that message and know that memorization game is massive. And that's something that I would consider the biggest win is that we've been able to allow that community to memorize who he is and what he does. I love it. Now you spoke to a couple of things in, in your answer here, and I really just want to highlight them. One of them that had nothing to do with him necessarily, but I think is so important and something that people can really learn from is how you said yourself, you were way more interested in consistent singles and doubles than trying to force that home run. And I, I really wanted to underscore that and, and reinforce that for people listening because it's, it's such a big deal. And all the time, because we're in marketing and because we're surrounded by marketing messages, we get all the stories about the home runs. And then we kind of build up our mind like, oh, I can't wait to have my big, like my, my million dollars in 24 hours. I can't wait to do that. It's like, dude, if you just relaxed and worried about doing like, you know, 10,000 a month and building off of that, you would have hit a million a lot sooner and a lot easier. And you would have had organic organic growth. You would have a tighter community. You'd have all these things running on all these cylinders and people kind of forget that. So first of all, thank you for mentioning the importance of doubles and singles and how powerful that really is. Um, also, I love that you're talking about like, listen, him with the, you know, with this new marker, um, I'm already butchering the, the way we describe it, but he was basically being his best self. He was, he was leaning into his gifts yeah. And he was sharing it with people. And I think when you're doing what you're doing, even you, you are leaning into your gifts right now and sharing your understanding, your knowledge. And hopefully, um, you know, this podcast will, will get to a lot, lot more people and introduce a lot more people to you. But um, it, it really is so important that when you do that, and even you're talking about like reinforcing the culture, that's an extension of being who you are. I think it's so important for people to think about that in terms of their business, because that's where so much power comes from, so much growth. And that's where like, 
it's roots. It's like really, it's not a house of cards, but it's something really, really strong that you're mm. rooted that you can build on where then the success suddenly it gets better and better and better and make a really snowball as opposed to something where if success somehow comes really fast and you're not ready for it, it all falls apart. Absolutely. Awesome. I love it, man. Um, so <laughs> there's, it's so funny. So many questions are coming up in my brain here. I'll, I'll end up keeping you in front of two hours. I got to be careful. Um, <laughs> so what are you most excited about right now, just in terms of stuff that you're working on? Ooh, all right. So I brought up the idea of sensory neuromarketing earlier, and that's mm -hmm. something that I've really kind of been digging into a lot. Um, different research that's out there around scents and smells and uh, auditory and just really getting into how, how can we elevate the brand into different games of memorization, right? If we, if we can agree that the premise of marketing is a game of memorization, it makes everything else a lot easier and it makes our decision-making process about what we consider valuable and not valuable, really, really clear defined, right? Because if we just say marketing, right, it's like the term investing, it's like, well, what in the world does that mean, right? Does that mean stocks, bonds, crypto, right? There's so many different ways and it all fills under that umbrella. But if we look at it from that very specific definition, it helps. So with the idea of sensory, so our senses and then neuromarketing, using our brain to influence our marketing decisions, I'm really fascinated with smell for the reason of we all, if we can close our eyes, so, well, not even that, um, the last time you've been in a mall or even in the mall in the 2000s, you remember what certain clothing stores smell like. Yes. You remember what lid smells like. You remember what Foot Locker smells like. You remember what Abercrombie and Fitch smells like. You remember what Hollister smell like. It even gets to the point that Disneyland spent millions of dollars to develop the perfect smell of a chocolate chip cookie to pump into their park because it influences our behavior and our decision-making. I was talking about realtors earlier. Realtors have known this for years. They'll bake cookies before an open house mm -hmm. because the smell and the sensation drives our emotion a lot more than anything else. They estimate a lot that almost 75 to 80% of our emotions are dictated by smell, which is really kind of interesting when you start thinking about, well, okay, what does my brand smell like? right? What is, if I have an e-commerce business, which is what we work a lot with, they ship inside of Mylar bags, right? Or plastic bags. So you're trapping a scent inside of there. And I've opened e-commerce bags I've ordered from before. And I can tell somebody just cooked dinner before they put my shirt or something else in the bags. It smells like it. Mm. And, and I'm instantly turned off from the brand. But what are the scents and the smells that are unique to you and your brand that if I were to open up a plastic bag that I got from your favorite clothing store every time, and it was the same smell, I'm reinforcing surprise and delight because one, you weren't expecting it. And surprise and delight is the strongest form of marketing that we know about. Two, I'm pairing it with excitement because we're opening something that we're super excited about. And three, I'm positioning right afterwards your brand. So in our brain, when we talk about habit formation and memorization, it's stacking things together consistently. Mm. So what I'm focused on is how, how can we elevate the customer experience? Steve Jobs was beyond obsessed with this to the point why that's why they started to kick him out of his own companies because he was so obsessed with it. There's, they spent uh, crazy buku money just on how long it takes for the box to open from Apple, any of the Apple products, they all have a three to four second drag on them, depending on how much force you use. But even if you used a lot of force, it's still going to take three to four seconds. Wow. I did because not know that. It, 
it's very specific to their brand, right? The smell, the peel back of the film across the iPhone is very specific to that brand. You can get it with other ones, but it's not quite the same. And that's when we start looking at how do you elevate out of just that quick solopreneur realm into a sustainable long-term brand, your brand has to be smashable. So if we put a pineapple, if we, if your brand was a pineapple and I hit it with a sledgehammer and it flew into 500 pieces, could I pick it up and still identify, even though it's only one chunk of it, that this is a pineapple. We did that with Apple's products, their videos, their ads, all their marketing, all their products. You'd be able to tell. So that, that's what I'm focused on with a lot of my e-commerce brands is how do we, one, make you smashable, but two, make your marketing stink from the perspective of what's the smell. When I was working with the float center, we pumped, we had multiple locations. So I have the same essential oil being diffused in every location because I wanted to control the smell of it. I wanted to control what that was because then I could trigger that smell later on. So we would send thank you cards and boxes on the thank you card. We would take the essential oil and roll it across the back because then they would touch it with their hands and then they would smell the peppermint oil. And it would smell nice and light and refreshing, right? And then anytime they went to a different center, it still had the same emotional response because so much of our emotion and memory is dictated by smell. This is very intriguing. And it's so, so what's interesting to me, Alex, is like, I kind of know this, but I've never had it articulated back to me before, like you just did. And I think it's important because sometimes we think we know stuff, but we're not actually implementing it. We're not actually doing it. Sure. And I think you gave a um, really wonderful explanation about how this can be done when you have a physical product, but also you can think about being smashable and you can think about sense. I believe if it's not physical, like obviously my book comes in the mail. It's like, however, Amazon made that book. It's, it's going to smell how it's going to smell. But by that same token, people that get my, the Kindle version, is there a smell? Well, there is one meditation in there that people hear where I talk about the ocean. So I mm. wonder if that's even on a subconscious level, reaching their brain where the brand is associated with that. Or if I Absolutely. start putting out um, videos on YouTube about meditations, the last one I did, I called it the rainforest. If I do like a pine forest one, I reinforce that. I imagine people can be thinking about that. And, you know, to your point about Smashable, not that it's the, the most you know dramatic or brilliant thing in the world, but I'm very intentional about always wearing hats in the same style, because mm -hmm. if you're scrolling through YouTube and you see the small thumbnail, that's Andrew. That's why I do it. Like, I mean, you know, I, I did one video in my YouTube thing without my hat, just because I knew people were going to be wondering and asking me. It's so like, all right, here's one video without the hat, just so you know what I look like to, you know, get the curiosity out of the way. But for the most part, I want that thumbnail always appearing that way so that people know me. So thank you for putting words to that in a brand new way that I'd never thought of before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, on that idea if you did, so let's say you were super consistent with the theme of ocean meditations. Seawater is one of the top three smells that they tried out inside of the bar of uh, bars in Miami. Now location has something to do with it because you're in Miami, right? And you're right next to the ocean, but they tested three smells and they were trying to see if they could increase the amount of time customers spent dancing because they knew the longer you were in there dancing, the more sale uh, bar sales they would have. And then the other part of it was what, would you remember going to that bar even after you were hung over? Mm. So even after you've been inhibited and all the GABA is kind of flowing around inside the brain and it's kind of all over the place and you feel that weird grogginess in the next morning, that's a lack of GABA. 
and trying your brain trying to reset itself. So memory, as we've we've all been there, we've all been adults and you know indulged a little too much. We're like, oh, I don't I don't remember what bar we were at, but we had a lot of fun, right? Yeah. They were seeing if you could increase smell to pull back memory recall of that bar. And they what they did is they did that. They did the experiment. They pumped three different smells in. They pumped orange. They pumped um, seawater, and they pumped another one that I'm spacing on. Anyway, oh, and it was uh, peppermint. Mm-hmm. So they tested all three of those smells, and the orange and the seawater did the best, and peppermint came in third. So if you're doing those seawater meditation or, you know, ocean meditations, if you send a thank you package, or if you have like a branded package that you sent them in the mail, could you incorporate a candle that smelled like seawater? Because now we're unifying that whole experience around that meditation to truly bring the body and the mind to that location. Wow. Alex, this is great, man. (laughs) This is really, you know, because it's blowing my mind again. Everything you say, I understand perfectly because I've read so many books. I've done so many, like I know, but the way you're articulating it, it makes it very easy to just to work with and to implement. So thank you for that, man. Of course. Um, again, I, I don't want, I want to make sure we get you out of here at the top, by the top of the hour. So uh, we're almost at, but I did want to ask you one thing about your podcast. Yeah. Um, Cause you do have a podcast. Does your podcast delve into what we're talking about here or does it do something different? Like where, what direction do you take with that as a complement or supplement to what you're doing with your agency? Totally. So we kind of take a weird approach with our podcast to where I bring on other industry experts. Uh, We're going to start changing that model a little bit to implement more of like these one-off topics around like these different things we've been chatting about. But a lot of where we do, we have a closed Facebook group that's open to anybody though. We just keep it close. We don't get spam bots and everything else in it. Uh, It's called Fix Your Marketing. It's got me with a big flag on it with a cheesy grin on top of a mountain sticking my little flag up there. But we talk about a lot of that in there. We go live twice a week and we talk about different neuromarketing tips and it's called Fix Your Marketing. So the goal is to get in, get free advice. Uh, We have business developers in there. We have content creators in there that are, we don't sell. The main thing is just let's get you fixed and moving, right? So that's the first thing. And then with the podcast, it started because that was the best way I knew how to communicate. I was really good at writing. And I knew nobody likes to read really. Some people do. And I could put blogs out on LinkedIn and I could put them out on long form Facebook posts. But let's be real. Nobody really consumes content that way. And now that Clubhouse is out, it really reinforces the idea more that passive audio consumption is massive. So for me, what I started doing was one, I started doing live coaching calls when we first started the podcast. Somebody was like, hey, you need to just put these out in the podcast. Like, just put it out there as content for people to consume. And those are still some of our best episodes when we're just doing live coaching calls of like, hey, here's how you fix your e-com store. Here's how you go through and develop a better content strategy. But now it's really developed into we're bringing other people on just like you are doing, Andrew, to give them a platform and to educate and inspire and entertain our audience. So that's really the direction we've taken with it. I love it. I love it. Well, on that note, you know, talking about the close Facebook group podcast, if people want to connect with you and want to learn more, what is the best way for them to do that? Totally. Uh, The podcast is the Hidden Falls Media Experience, just our business name plus experience. Uh, And then the Facebook group is Fix Your Marketing. Like I said, it's got a real cartoon cheesy image of me standing on top of a mountain, putting our flag in. It's bright blue. You can't miss it. Uh, but outside of that, uh, at Alex.Vonderhaar on Instagram is the best place to reach me through DM. 
uh, come say hi. We've got an amazing community of business owners and entrepreneurs. They love to be around like-minded individuals like yourself. Awesome. I love it, man. And I'll make sure that I'm going to put those links up um, in the, just the main page for shatteredmodepodcast.com. And of course, when I upload this to the Shattered Mold YouTube, I'll, I'll put that in the description awesome. also. So uh, people can easily click on all these options you just gave. Now, last go away question, because yeah. you've been so awesome, man. If you can go back, um, you know, five, 10, even 15 years in the past and give yourself one piece of advice, what would you give to that prior version of Alex? Patience. Patience. Mm. Got it. Just patience, man. I'm, I'm very impatient and it's served me and it's also hindered me, but the times I'm patient, I always get better results. Mm. Yeah. Isn't it funny how that works? You know, we almost like fighting that battle with ourselves because we like want it right away. But when we give ourselves the space to really dive in and, and do something, we do get something bigger. Yeah. Um, amazing insight. Alex, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for, for sharing these insights, for sharing what I think is real gold. And I really hope that people will re-listen to this episode and take a lot of the things what you said to heart, because this is how that, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy got things going so well, thanks to your help. It's because of these types of insights. So um, thank you for, for coming on for free and sharing them. And obviously, you know, um, I'll put your, your agency link also, because I imagine in case people want to hire you, maybe Maybe they have them want to have a conversation and, and take this to the next level. But either way, man, thanks so much for being here, man. You really made a huge impact and I really appreciate it. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew, man. I'm super grateful for the opportunity. Thank you again, Alex. That was amazing. Guys, I'm going to leave all of the relevant links to connect with Alex, both in the video description of the YouTube, if you're watching it in video format, or at shatteredamoldpodcast.com, where this episode resides. And while I'm giving out links, a quick reminder, you can feel free to go to lastlawofattractionbook.com if you want to check out my book, The Last Law of Attraction Book You'll Ever Need to Read, or you can check out the YouTube channel that is devoted to it by going to youtube.com slash Cap. With that said, thank you, Alex, for an unbelievable interview. Thanks to everyone for listening, and stay tuned. We have got more awesome guests on the way. I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Shatter the Mold at www.shatterthemoldpodcast.com. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold.